You're listening to Ethosphere. Now here's your host, my dad. Hello, all you beautiful peeps, and welcome to a little show I like to call Ethosphere. Today is Sunday, February 21st, 2021. And if you are listening to this, you are alive. Today, we dive into part two of rewriting our narrative. But first, I'd like to go and answer a question I received from a listener. Past episodes, I have separated the Q&A from the actual episode. So today, I'm trying something different. I'm going to combine the episode with the question. Uh, Here we go. Miss Candice with a K asks, I loved how open you were about the conversation you had with your psychologist. How do you think her words benefited you? That is an excellent question. And thank you. You know, change comes incrementally. And we all know that. It's just that we live in a quick fix culture. So let me read one more time what my psychologist said. She said, if you don't deal with what put you in the ocean in the first place, you'll only carry that to the shore. So let's break that down and see if we can't work it into today's show. Now we're talking about narratives and how to rewrite them. Well, what she did was make me pause and think about my own narrative, the narrative that I was working with day in and day out. And her words specifically deal with what put you in the ocean. It caused reflection. You can't solve a problem until you know what the problem is. Now, the last thing that people ever really want to do is admit that they have a problem because now you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable in a world that has a million and one ways to swallow you whole. So generically, I was living out an existential slash identity crisis. If I had to try and put meat on the bones, I could say that this crisis was in part due to the fact that I was a former soldier who entered a military at war. And so upon leaving the army, I was through and through a product of that. As soon as I came back from Iraq, I was in the process of out-processing, which means leaving the army. The army is all business. So their, thank you for your service, I trust you know the way out mentality is expected And for the most part, most soldiers probably welcome that. But now I was a civilian after years of being regimented. So that was strike one. Who was Nathan the civilian? If I have, if I have one critique about the army, it's that it is very, very good at taking a person from Main Street USA and turning them into a soldier. What it lacks is the aftercare. You see, you've taken a kid from point A to point B, but when it comes to point C, that kid's on their own. So that's strike two. You've led me into the wilderness, even through the wilderness, but you never told me that some of the darkness and some of those wild things would now and forever be a part of me. Who is Nathan the wild thing? Now, please don't take this as me bad-mouthing the army. 
There's plenty to criticize, that's for sure. But this is not me bad-mouthing them. For the most part, I knew that entering the military, uh, especially during a time of war, would somehow change me on the other side. What I wasn't aware of was just how unprepared I would be for that change, which leads to strike three, poor coping mechanisms. And what's the one way a soldier or former soldier copes? Can you guess? If you guess drinking, you are correct. Drinking, reckless behaviors, fighting, pushing people away, denial, repression, suicidal ideation, and the list goes on and on and on. And I don't want to romanticize this too much because there was obviously more to the therapy than that aha moment that my psychologist instilled in me. Um, It takes a while to really understand that we build narratives in our lives. I had built this narrative around the traumatic events in my life, and that narrative was not serving me. Was it the traumatic event or events that had uh, placed me in the, the proverbial ocean? Was it the way I would suppress thoughts and feelings? Maybe it was adopting negative behaviors or not orienting my purpose towards something meaningful. Turns out that it is probably a little bit of all of this. It took some serious thought to rewrite myself out of a narrative that had long been imprinted on my identity. Macho, too tough to be affected by the world, a manly man. But you have to remember that you have to start small, which is how we are going to start with today's teaching. So last week, we looked to the end to inform the present. How can we take our list from last week and start a new narrative? On that list, I stated that I hope at the end of my days, people will say at the very least that I was kind to pick just one adjective. If you remember, we turned this into our mantra. We can easily turn that into I am kind. And from there, we can build. I am kind to myself. I am kind to others. I am kind. Today, I'd like you to take that a step further. I want you to think of two ways you can begin to implement this mantra into action. And then I want you to create two ideas about what good may come from your actions. So how would I put my mantra, I am kind, into action? And remember, this is your practice, so use your scribblings. If you wrote down, you wanted people to remember you as a badass, use that. If you said caring, use that. This is going to work much better for you if it is conjured from your own beliefs, intentions, values, and morals. Okay, how do I put I am kind into action. Well, kindness starts closest to you. My first order of duty is to write down some thoughts on how I want to be kind. So write down two actions. Number one, I will speak with love and kindness to those closest to me and to those in the world. Number two, I will act with love and kindness towards those closest to me and towards those in the world. All right. 
So now your mission is to make kindness your active meditation. That's assuming that you picked kindness, but we're using my example. This is as easy as looking over to a loved one and stating a simple kindness. For example, this is not hard for me when it comes to my daughter. I can look at her and tell her, you know what? You sure are beautiful inside and out. I'd split a pizza with you any day. When you're in the world is when this practice will be tested the most. Sartre didn't say hell is other people for no reason. That is why this portion of rewriting your narrative it's, is considered an active meditation. There have been many studies on the healing power of just sitting down and writing about issues that have led to life impediments, and that is fantastic. I'm all for that. In the end, though, no good thing lasts without maintenance, and that is the stage we are in here. You have to practice. When the world tests your patience, return to kindness. Just like in sitting meditation, when your mind begins to wander, you can always return to your breath. You can always return to whatever your original intention was. In life, lead with your intention. My example of kindness would mean telling strangers to have a nice day, buying a stranger a meal, going online and paying someone's utility bills. Maybe it's calling a friend and telling them that, you're thinking about them. But Nate, all of those acts are superficial. Maybe they may seem that way, but you're still interacting with the world in a positive way. And you don't go jogging once and become an instant marathon runner. Each act adds up. Each run adds up. If that's not enough, then here is another example. As many of you know, Texas was just hit with a snowpocalypse, and many people, to include myself, were left without water and power. So water stations and heating stations, they were set up to provide for those in need. Well, speaking of hell being other people, uh, as families sat in their vehicle waiting in line for water, a man drove by telling them if they got a job, they wouldn't need handouts. So here's the first lesson. If I were actively practicing kindness, my first thought would come from a place of empathy. What has happened in this man's life that led him to be so bullish that he would belittle those who are already in a vulnerable position? If you can approach a person like this from that perspective, you have already acted out a major kindness not only towards this human being, but towards yourself. And this applies to any goal you have, whether it's to be remembered as caring or to be remembered as a great friend or whatever. Approach it from a place of empathy and you'll never fail. When you're confronted by the dark face of the world, the Karens of the world, if you will, the greater kindness you can put forth is not to engage their lack of poise. Ask them if you want. Look, I can tell that something that has nothing to do with me is bothering you. Is there anything I can do to help? Buy you lunch? Give you a hug? What's up? 
And if they tell you to fuck off, they tell you to fuck off. Just say, may God's peace find its way to you. And then ignore them. Disengage. You don't owe them your anger, and they don't deserve it. Others around you, if there are others around you, will notice how you acted, and this is what you are putting into the world. Remember that this is your practice and that you know yourself better than anyone. There are probably a thousand and one ways to accomplish this goal, so be creative. Now on to the second part, and I'll only talk about it briefly. So I want you to write down two ways this may bring about good. This is just so you have some quasi-measurable matrix. One, if I speak with kindness in my own house to my family, then I am demonstrating to my daughter how to approach others and what to expect out of future relationships. That's one. I can measure this through qualitative observational means now. My 12-year-old is a peacemaker among friends. I hear how she conversates with them, and I can also hear what her friends say about her. She makes and keeps friends easily, and their parents tell me that she is never a problem. This informs me that what I practice in the home is finding its way into the world. And that is the narrative I've written into existence and that I am now acting out. It started with a pen and paper. So sit down and write this stuff out. Now, on to the second way good may come of this. Two, by others seeing me act with kindness and integrity, they take notice. This will hopefully inspire them to act in similar ways. I'll give you an example and then bid you farewell from there. If you've ever been to the Denny's in New Braunfels, Texas, you may have noticed a waiter there who goes by Bugs. Bugs like the bunny, he would tell you. Bugs is an African-American man in his mid-50s, if I had to guess. Every time I would see him, I noticed that he had a certain gravity about him. He was big without having to be big, if that makes sense. He was kind, accommodating, and made you feel at ease. Those things stood out to me. There was just something about this man that I wanted within myself. But it was because he started with kindness and sincerity followed. Now, I may never have the same gravity as Bugs, but his actions, when I look at him, make me at least want to reach for whatever that quality is. I'm Nathan Alex Orona, and this is Ethosphere. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And as always, you can reach me at ethosphere at gmail.com or through ethosphere.com. Either way, I love you and peace be with you.